0: softball world and welcome back to a brand new season of the seven innings podcast Woo-hoo! Woo-woo! Woo-woo! we got uh, we got some of the crew on board BMO, Horo, Scarborough, Smitty, Jimmy and we'd like to welcome another west coaster to the show it's bro she's in the know welcome Kayla thank you Woo! yeah bye, bye, I you. let's go Oh, hey! A special shout out to Jimmy Softball and Holly Rowe for putting together that season review, the best of season one. Uh, that's available on uh, the ESPN app, and of course, uh, go to the, you can go to the ESPN W softball page as well to find that season recap. That was fabulous stuff. We've got a lot to cover. It's It was a busy, uh, hectic offseason, everybody, right? And then we're going to do a, a jump into a preview of what's to come in the brand new year, including a, a fabulous new tournament that we're all going to be a part of, uh, first pitch of the season for us. So you've got your lineup card uh, that we put out on uh, the At 7 Innings podcast Twitter and Instagram, so you can follow along with your lineup card today, and we have to start out um, with um, a loss of one of our own, and, and I'm sure you've been following along, um, our condolences and our thoughts and prayers certainly with uh, uh, Jerry Ann Glasgow's family and her dad Jerry, and, and all of those really around the softball community that have come to know Jerry Ann from her her stops at Georgia and then at Oregon, and, and just starting out in her coaching career. We lost her tragically in a, in a car accident last month, uh, but she touched a lot of our lives and. Um, to Jerry and the Natasha Watley foundation, um, a fabulous way to remember Jerry Ann. They, they've put together a coaching scholarship, uh, that will help young women, uh, get into the profession. And so that is something positive that could come out of all of this, but just your thoughts guys on, on Jerry Ann and, and what a pleasure it was to cover her over the years.
1: Well, Beth, I, I think you you said it the best, the number of programs that she impacted, the teammates, um, the outpouring that we heard after her passing. Um, you know, if you're going to leave this earth and leave a legacy, I mean, in the short amount of time she was here, she did that. So she's not just remembered by that amazing swing and her ability to pitch a ball. It was really the human beings and her teammates that she touched.
2: Yeah,
3: so I actually played with Jerry Ann's sister, Erin Glasgow, at A&M. She had transferred from Notre Dame and we played together. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I was fairly close with their family and getting to know them. And everything that you have read about Jerry Ann has been her since she was 12 years old and hanging around the softball field. And, it was just so cool to see the outpouring of love and support for her and be able to read it and know that it was true. It was her to a T and the impact that she made on the softball world and how tight knit their family was and how much they all coach. Aaron coaches, her other sister, Tara coaches, Jerry coaches. They're just really beloved by the softball family and the softball world put their arms around their family, I think, and still are.
2: Yeah, and I got to play against her when, I mean, she was a freshman and I was a senior at Alabama when she was at Georgia. And let me tell you, as a competitor against her, I didn't want to play her because she was feared. I mean, she was a baller in all sense of the words. And what she did on the field didn't even compare to the person she was off of it. And I think you hear from all of the players that were touched by her, from her as a graduate assistant, as well as a coach. I think that just shows you what kind of a player and person that she was.
4: You know, I was talking with um, Brianna Stewart for an article that we're doing for ESPN the magazine, and she said, "I know this is off topic, but I really want to talk to you about Jerry Ann." And I was like, "What? What?" And she's like, "We knew each other really well. We um, were Gatorade Players of the Year together. Had met when they were just coming out of high school, and they had t- stayed in touch all these years." So Brianna Stewart was really, you know, upset, and um, she considered her a good friend. So I just thought it was neat that Jerry Ann's impact was even greater than the softball world. And I love that Natasha Watley's foundation is supporting young coaches. If you want to visit the natashawatleyfoundation.org, you can text 91999 to support the Glasgow Family Fund. All the information is on there.
0: Yeah. Ann Glasgow, she will be missed, but her, her legacy lives on. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to help a lot of young women that want to get into the coaching profession. Uh, this is the ESPNW uh, and ESPN podcast at Seven Innings Podcast is the follow. Uh, coming up on the show, we're going to talk about, obviously, Oregon and Texas, all the transfers around the country, and uh, also a preview of the season. Some swingers, some pitchers to watch, uh, some teams to watch, and, of course, we got Shaggin' and Stats and, and Gimme Some Jimmy to come. Let's start out, though, right now, just a quick uh, preview. Michelle Smith. Um, the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational presented by Wilson, but a big part of that is also Smitty Vision. Uh, It was Michelle's vision to bring this tournament uh, to um, the Bay Area and a a shout-out to the Visitors Bureau and the Sports Commission there to put this all together. 39 games, 25 of those on the ESPN networks, 10 ranked teams, including the last six national champs, And, Smitty, our coverage will begin on Thursday with a quadruple header that starts out at 10 a.m. on ESPNU.
1: This is beyond exciting. I mean, this has been a couple years in the making and really just bringing a great team together, the city of Clearwater, the county with the Visitors Bureau, really helping support this, Uh, sports tourism, of course, ESPN, of course, us as a group, (laughs) all going to be there, and the sport. So when you marry all of those Entities together, you get this incredible tournament, and the fans, uh, the sport, are going to reap the benefits. It's just, it's really been a a great process to be involved with. People have worked so hard behind the scenes, and um, I can't wait for everybody to get to town next week and, and highlight our sport. It's kind of be like a women's college world series at the beginning of the season and really set the tone for everybody. Fabulous! We are looking forward
0: to being there, uh, and uh, going to be real exciting. Uh, to follow that through. All right, let's move on uh, down the lineup card here. Of course, the big story in the postseason or in the offseason were the moves at Oregon and Texas. Mike White leaves Oregon to go to Texas. Missy Lombardi becomes the head coach at Oregon. And then the transfers started. Uh, once school had started, they started to leave Oregon. Nine players left the program. A handful of them ended up at Texas and really has, I, I think, probably the biggest off-season change that we've ever seen in the sport in terms of two programs that have had an impact on the postseason and may continue to do so moving forward. I know, bro, you're out there on the West Coast. What what, what are some of your thoughts on what's been, what's been going on? And then we'll open it up to the group.
2: Yeah, I live in Eugene, Oregon, so I've been closely following this. And what's really interesting to me, first and foremost, is the timeline right of you know how you know of course some people when you get a new coach are going to drop quickly because they they go to a school to play for that coach you understand that but then it was you know time after time you see transfers dropping over and over again especially when they know they're about to give up their 2019 college football season they're sitting out so you know that uh you know the trickle effects situations escalated but beyond that i think too is how much the entire eugene community has felt this really a change of coaches I mean they're disappointed I was at an Oregon men's basketball game last night and these two guys sitting behind me were talking about how disappointed they were that Oregon softball may not be as good this season so the fan support for Oregon is there but you got to have something on the field that they want to follow so I think it's disappointing for the community right now as well as well Okay,
3: so Kayla, you're in Eugene and you see one side of it. I live in Austin, so I see the complete other side of it. And what comes to mind, other than the obvious, is that they get a whole bunch of just talented players with Iacopo, Miranda Elish, Rhodes, and also Burke. But I think about the transition for the Texas players who are already on the team, about to go into a season with a new coach. And it's there's now four players on the Texas team that have played for Mike White and can kind of be that connector to what Mike White expects in a game, how he's going to coach. Um, when he gets mad, they're going to be able to translate, oh, it's not that big of a deal, or oh, this is what we need to do to be able to pull things together. So I really think of Texas with this transition with Mike White and the four additional players that they've got as a true contender. And I think that now because those four Oregon players are really going to be able to translate Mike White and his coaching abilities to bring the new players together and the old players together to really make Texas a strong team.
1: Yeah, and it's amazing big picture when you look at both of these programs. Oregon last year went into the Women's College World Series as the number one seed. They're now picked to finish last this year in the Pac-12. And you look at Texas, as you were just saying, Amanda, here's a program that was middle of the pack in the Big 12, now picked to finish second behind Oklahoma. So drastic drastic changes on both
4: sides can i be captain obvious here um i'm just curious what you all think about is this good for softball Uh, you know i i look at this as um coach white decided to make a change he wanted to get more money and he has every right to do that is it uh fair and good for the game to then gut your previous team and um all those kids that you recruited and you didn't take with you to texas now you've left them behind at oregon and kind of ruined their season in a way. I, I just am curious if you think this is good for the game. Well, I'll jump in, Holly Rowe. Um, this is Michelle, obviously. Uh, so
1: I like the fact that um, kids go to universities for a couple reasons, obviously for academics, but also because they want to play for a certain coach. So I understand when a coach leaves and an a, a athlete follows him to that new institution, if, he really, if they really want to play for him or her. I have a little bit of an issue with this portal, with everything happened when the NCAA portal opened up and allowed all these kids to transfer mid-year. And that's where I think as a staff, you cannot recover. When someone leaves in the fall and can play for another program in the spring, I think it opens Pandora's box. There's no way to recover. You have to open up and have a a, a tryout just so you can feel the team. I think there I think there needs to be some adjustment to that. That's my biggest issue.
0: I think even somebody's dog is fired up about the whole transfer question right now. We, dogs are barking in the background. Um, yeah, they're like, it's rough. We're, we're, it's rough. rough. We're, we, we also got some questions uh, from some fans. Uh, Reed, Reed Courtney, he wants to know what, what do we think the duck season is going to look like? And then Katie Bailey uh, tweeted a question at us. Why, why do we think the transfers are more common right now? Um, for the duck season, I think it's going to be a struggle. And, and I think what could possibly come of this is a big positive if they can put something together to help them grow towards the next year and the year after that. What we didn't think was going to be a rebuild for Missy Lombardi has become one. And now I think the challenge is how quickly can you get that done in a very difficult Pac-12. And then why are transfers more common now? You look at G. Juarez going to Oklahoma, Kendall Lindemann going to Florida, just a a couple of big names. Um, I I think that's the way it is in all sports right now. We see it in the NBA. People want to play with the best, and they want to win a championship now. And I think that's part of the attitude that student-athletes have at a lot of places I want to challenge myself against the best, and I want to be the best, and and I want it now, I think, is, is a lot of the reasoning for all these transfers.
3: I think Michelle hit the he- the nail on the head, though. It's just the timing. And I think that that's why it seems like there are more because I think that it's easier for in the middle of the fall, a person to be like, you know what, I'm really not going to play this season, or I'm going to be the number four pitcher. So I'm going to be out, I'm going to save my year of eligibility and get to go somewhere else. And it's just, it's so easy. It's so accessible. It's really like college softball free agency where somebody gets to put themselves in a portal and be like, Hey, who wants me? Where can I go and be a number one pitcher at? Because I'm not okay with being the number four pitcher at Florida or Oakland. I just, I'm naming schools. It could be anywhere. I mean, none of those schools didn't have a transfer, but it just is, it's
2: just so easy for them. I think too, this is a reflection of the early recruiting kids at, you know, were asked to make a decision on college at 12, 13 years old, and they don't really know. And now that they have the option to transfer and it's open door, I mean, they are taking advantage of that. And kind of like you were saying, Holly, if the coaches can take a better job, what's to say a player can't reach out and go try to get something better, a better situation for them?
0: Yeah, I, I think it's going to be very interesting for other sports to watch what happens. This, this is sort of the lead sport right now for how these, how this transfer portal and how these – giving the student athletes more, um, a a way to take charge of their own careers. Um, What's going to happen moving forward with teams that play in both semesters? You know, are we eventually going to get to a point where you could play at one place in the spring, in the fall, and play somewhere else in the spring if you're not happy? It's going to be real interesting to see moving forward and how, we start to lay down different rules and new rules to try
4: and and deal with the, the current landscape. Well, Beth, I think the other the other issue is that if you transfer late, you're not allowing your team and your coach to recruit yes. someone to replace you, and so you you leaving your team. And the, the issue I have is you're leaving your teammates. Like I would literally never leave you guys in the middle of the World yes. Series, right? I would never just stop my broadcast and walk away and leave all of you hanging. Um, I, I just want kids to be better teammates and care about the people around them. How will I ever trust you as a teammate if yeah. you come in and you just quit on your last team? So I understand there's a lot that goes into this. And wrote- everybody's going to make a different decision. But I just wish that kids were not only thinking of themselves. I, I think that's a tough way to build a team. I, I agree. <laughs> and, Holly, if you ever tried to leave us, I would I'd hunt yeah, you I down. You down.
1: This, this is the best Twitter team we're talking about. Come on. The
0: only time, Holly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead,
0: Scarborough. Just it. To-
3: yeah, Just a suggestion is that if you play a fall game yeah. with the team that you're yeah. currently on in the fall, then you should have to sit out for the spring season. I mean, I feel like that would really make it not as yeah, easy as, as if there's some kind of repercussion. There has to be some consequences. Right. Yes.
1: Yes. Or even if you start the school year academically, aren't they student athletes? I mean, you start the school year at one institution, and because this really impacts the spring sports. It doesn't as much the fall sports. So I feel like the second you take that one class, you walk into a door of that institution to study, you have to sit a year. The only
0: time Holly ever left us was several years ago when she swallowed the bug. Do you guys remember that? But then... But then she came oh, back strong. She came right back stronger than ever. <laughs> but she <laughs> had my back and talked to me while I yes. had a bug in my
4: throat. We were
0: good teammates, good teammates. Oh hey, uh, <laughs> let's move down so our uh, our lineup card for those of you following at home. And, and in the uh, cleanup spot, it's time to talk about the swingers, ladies, and some of the players to watch around the country. Bray Dempsey us sent us a tweet. What player are you most excited to see so let 's talk about some of the big players to watch and amanda why don 't we start start out with you and and some of the big boppers around the country uh, that, that you 're excited to see
3: okay, so I know that it 's you know it 's amanda 's a great name, so that 's <laughs> where my mind is uh, but Amanda Lorenz comes to mind she 's a senior she is has one of the best swings, one of the most clutch players in our game right now. She's highly motivated. She came to Florida to win a national championship. Her bat she's gonna play like this is her last season. And she's not the type of player that's just going to to say that she's competitive or wants to win. She is truly one of the players in our game that steps up in the biggest moments and wants to bat in her hands. So I think that Amanda Lorenz, a senior for Florida, is set for a really big season. And I'm going to give you one more Amanda. Amanda Sanchez, who transferred from Missouri to LSU. She battled some injuries, but she's a great, great player. I think she's poised for uh, a really big season. And two lefty hitters, too, Amanda Sanchez and Amanda
1: Lorenz. And I'm going to follow up with that on uh, Amanda, and I'm going to talk about Jocelyn Allo. I think that after an amazing freshman year for Oklahoma, how is she going to be pitched that sophomore year? How are people going to go after her? She's got strength. In front of her, she's got strength behind her so to pick your poison lineup still a lot of times for Oklahoma. How our teams going to try to attack her and keep the ball in the park? I'm excited to see what she can do. And then UCLA, they've got a lot of big boppers as well. But Rachel Garcia on both sides of the ball, pitching and hitting. I think that young lady is just going to keep continuing to uh, develop.
2: Yeah, I'm interested for sure. I'm going back to Florida, like you said, Amanda, and I'm looking at Kendall Lindemann. This is a transfer from Minnesota that's going to, for the first time, see SEC play, see how she does with you know a little bit more of a consistent and tougher schedule potentially and on a stacked Florida lineup that has players like Amanda Lorenz. And then, of course, I'm a triple threat lefty slapper, so I got to call out a lefty slapper that I'm looking at. It's Aubrey Leach for Tennessee. Her senior season had a dynamite junior year. It's coming back, ready to go, get to cover her in the Clearwater Tournament. So looking forward to seeing her use that speed and set the table for Tennessee.
3: I can't wait to see how Lindeman does in the SEC. You know, she put up the big numbers in the Big Ten. That hasn't been the strongest conference. So I, I'm just ecstatic to see how Kendall Lindeman competes in the SEC, to be honest.
4: Um, I, I think Aaliyah Jordan, uh, you guys touched on UCLA a little bit, but, you know, she was injured at the end of last year. And all she did was win the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year, Pac-12 Batting Champion, all Pac-12 first team. She was a first team all American as a freshman and she was hurt for almost the last, um, I would say three Mm -hmm. to four weeks of the season and not at a hundred percent. So I can't wait to see her healthy and just see if she can really, um, even be better in her sophomore season and avoid a sophomore slump. I,
0: I got, I got another one at UCLA for you to watch. And it's a freshman, a rookie coming in the national player of the year, Megan Framo. Do they have a number two pitcher now to work with Rachel Garcia that could be lethal for the rest of the country and a big reason why I think the Bruins are going to open up the year number one in the rankings and also near and dear to my heart. She's from Cathedral Catholic High School right here in San Diego, just up the street from me, so keep an eye on her. Some of the players returning that are also spending some time with the U.S. national team uh, and potentially um, into the pros in, in the uh, near future, Elissa Carlo at Georgia, big bopper. Sis Bates at Washington, Deja Muli Pola at Arizona, some of the other uh, swingers to keep your eye on. Number five.
4: Number five. <laughs> you say swingers so dirty, Beth. It's funny to me. Like, make your voice we got sexy. So I think there's there. swingers. is Isn't that <laughs> Slingers
0: commercial, by the way, one of the best on television right now? We got swingers and Shaggin stacks coming up movie. later. So, But it's time now for the arms race. We can't let... The hitters have all the love. Let's talk some pitchers, and uh, I guess, Smitty, will, will defer to you to start this one. We've already heard a little bit about Rachel Garcia at UCLA, the Nash, reigning national player of the year. Who else might be on your, your wish list, your watch list?
1: Well, Bemo, I think uh, the first one you got to go right after is Megan King after that uh at performance at the Women's College World Series, just amazing uh, in the circle. And then G. Juarez, we talked about her transferring over to Oklahoma, now having such a potent offense behind her, Uh, being able to put up some runs. But then we also have the righties. We've got Garcia. We have Barnhill. This is going to be a big year. There are a lot of dominating pitchers out there, just to name uh, four of them. I won't steal everybody's thunder, so Amanda, why why don't you jump in?
3: (laughs) It's so hard. There are so many. Um, I go with Megan Good. She was injured last year uh, for JMU, and we didn't get to see her pitch last year. So interested to see how she'll do coming off of uh, her injury for this season. But in 2017, season before she got injured she had a 0.63 ERA and it's really hard to put somebody like her into one category because she is not just a pitcher but she's also one of the players to watch because she hit 383 had 58 RBI 12 home runs and a 0.63 ERA so really interested to see how she does on both sides of the ball coming into this season
2: yeah I think Megan Kleiss is going to make waves in the big 12 oh, excuse me Miranda Ellis is going to make waves oh, switch it up Sunbelt next it's easy to yeah, do, real, really it's easy twice, to do, actually, actually with twice. that situation. But Miranda Ellis this season, I think that she has an opportunity to put Texas on the map, like you said earlier, Amanda, and she brings that fiery, fierce, competitive mentality in the circle, and I think that's just what you need, joining a new program, kind of resurging the Texas Longhorn softball program. Oh, oh! by the way, we will see Megan Good, Miranda Ellis, Megan
0: King, Amanda Sanchez, Jocelyn Alo, amongst others, at the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational presented by Wilson. 25 games on the ESPN Networks next week starting on Thursday with a quadruple header. Uh, we heard from, let's see, Adam Lemurice, uh sent us a tweet, and that's a, this is a good way to get into number six on, on your lineup card. Will Florida State go back-to-back? Back? Will we get back-to-back back booty busted, ladies? It's time to talk Teams to watch. And also, if you want to, uh, Mike from Phoenix City, one of our favorites on on the Twitter, wants to know if you got a sneaky team to watch throughout the year that we may see at the WCWS. So uh, let's start out with uh, Holly. What you got for us this year? Teams to watch.
4: Well, I think Florida State is a wonderful preseason, number one, for good reason. They have a lot coming back. However, they do lose Jesse Warren, which I believe was the heart and soul of that team. So I think it's going to be hard for them to repeat. I, I would never put anything past them. This was a special group of young ladies that came out of you know, the losers bracket for one of the first times in World Series history. They showed a grit and resilience that we haven't maybe ever seen in our sport at the World Series. So I don't want to put anything past them, but I think Jesse Warren is a big piece that they will be missing. I think one team we haven't talked at all about that I think could be really good is Washington. You know, I think what they've got in the circle with Terran Alvello and Gabby Plain, I just I, I just think that this is still a dangerous team in the way Heather Tar coaches. You know, she gets athletes that they did lose some great defense on the infield, but I think that they are a team to keep our eye on.
3: Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with one. That's just out of the blue here. Uh, Oklahoma. No, I, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go with Oklahoma, but, um,
0: <laughs>
3: I think I'll go to <laughs> yes, uh, just nearby, though, okay, with again. Oklahoma State and <laughs> the amount of transfers and new blood. I know, I know you'd love it, Michelle. The amount of new blood that they have in that program. <laughs> yes. uh, Samantha Shaw, who transferred from AM, yes. a pitcher hitter. Gabby Spring, who was a, p- a lefty pitcher for Tennessee, who yeah. struggled in her freshman year, but has a lot of potential. She's able to work through what she was working through in the circles. So, a lot of fresh faces, a lot of still solid talented players that were on the team before. Uh, and then just two more really quickly, South Carolina and Arkansas and the SEC, two teams that we don't talk a lot about in the SEC, but returning a lot. Arkansas added a couple of new faces. One of which was from Arizona state cannot think of her name right now. My fault, but um, she was one of the top <laughs> players for Arizona state. I know um, it will come to me. Oh, Gibson, Daniel Gibson, I think. So yeah. anyway, uh-huh. yeah, good call. Yeah, so I think that they're going to be two really big teams to watch in the SEC that might come up and and knock off some bigger teams in the SEC. We're used to talking about.
4: Hey, I'm going to agree with you on one thing too. Is I was just at Oklahoma State for their softball banquet on Saturday, and this group has you know you, you know how you see some teams that have special chemistry that love each other and that shows up on the field. That's what Oklahoma State has this year, and Sydney Springfield also transferred there from LSU. Another good bat in the lineup trying to get a fresh start. So uh, I think that they have something special there in Stillwater, Michelle Smith. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yes, thanks you guys I didn't want to sound like a complete homer And bring that up So I appreciate you guys doing it for me um, You know, it, I think I get, Like you mentioned uh, earlier, Holly as well Not being captain obvious But I feel like this year It's going to be the usual suspects I mean, it's going to be the UCLA I mean, the teams that we we know are going to be strong The Floridas um, the, the teams that kind of resurged Through the middle of last year And kind of woke us up The South Carolina, the Arkansas Like, wow, look at look at them come up I feel like we know who's gonna be strong this year. A couple of teams I hope will uh develop through the year, Michigan. Um I'd like to see Michigan be able to go deep into the postseason, some big ten teams, uh you know, really step up and and and, and someone make it to Oklahoma City, to the Women's College World Series. I feel like the Florida State maybe struggles a little bit because Kylie Hansen, they need another uh, pitcher for Megan King.
0: I'm going to tag team uh, or uh, uh, go a little deeper there, Michelle. Not only Michigan, but Alabama, I I think, will be intriguing to watch. Those are two teams, two programs that really, quite frankly, haven't been up to their usual snuff, right, the last couple of years. uh, We we haven't seen them pushing – for the national championship. So uh, they have some new blood in in Alabama. Uh, One of the great names of all time, Montana Fouts, uh, is a player to watch there. Can Alabama and Michigan uh, get back to to where we're accustomed to seeing them? And and I always think that Florida is intriguing, but what can we expect from Kelly Barnhill this year and a pitching staff that no longer has Jen Rocha? That That may have been one of the the big coaching changes this year: Rocha leaving Florida to go to Oklahoma, where she once played. So, that that's that's another good point. Team. That's yep. so many things. So many things. Yep. Um, all right, so there there's a, there's some teams to watch. Uh, that leads us, by the way, to to a, a little news and notes for you. Uh, some other things uh, you mentioned, Megan Clayce, a little earlier. She's redshirting this year. Also, Gia Radoni, it was announced, she's redshirting with a uh, recovering from a knee injury. That's a big loss for Baylor's pitching staff. You've got the suspension of Ole Miss head coach Mike Smith out for the first five games. Quote from the school, not meeting university expectations for operating the program. See if that has any impact on Ole Miss out of the gate. And of course, no finish this year for Missouri. The NCAA slapping a postseason ban on the softball program uh, that may affect the entire league come SEC tournament time, which will be very interesting to watch. Usually there's one team left out of the SEC tournament. This year, Missouri ineligible, so the other 12 will all go to Texas A&M to play. Hey Beth,
4: I just yes, wanted ma'am. to say one quick thing. Um, did we get through the holes arms discussion without talking about kelly barnhill
0: uh but i i did mention her but if you want to ask okay i just wanted okay. to make sure
4: i just saw a nice tweet from graham hayes with a great article on espnw that he has written about kelly um, barnhill so i just wanted to give that shout out to graham hayes and his wonderful yes. article about kelly today
0: please follow follow graham throughout the season well, and- by the way his softball stuff is second to none scarborough He's, he's so awesome. Uh,
3: I read all of his stuff and I just feel like I keep it because it has such good nuggets mm-hmm. in it. But, uh, and Holly, I think Michelle mentioned like 10 different pitchers. So Kelly <laughs> Barnhill got lost in that okay, shuffle, yeah, I mean, which I
4: mean, mentioned. So many, it ran right through. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah.
0: and, and, and part of Graham's article, which leads us to number seven on your lineup card, uh, Team USA, talks about Kelly looking for a second chance uh, with the United States and, and possibly the Olympics of course, the return in Tokyo in 2020. But it is a pitching staff that got a lot more crowded, right, with the additions of Monica Abbott and Kat Osterman. So uh, we we got a uh, a tweet from uh, Jamie Patton, I believe is the pronunciation. How good is the Team USA roster, and what is the likelihood that Kat and Monica both go back to the Olympics? What say you?
1: I think absolutely. Uh, I would I would definitely bet the house that they both go back to the Olympics. They're matured athletes. They are experienced. They, they know what it is like to be there. Uh, they're in leadership positions. So I think they're going to be a huge part of that staff, but also the whole leadership of the team. So for the Kelly Barnhills, for the Rachel Garcias, the younger pitchers, they got to figure it out. And there's definitely a difference between what you do in college and what you do on the international field. So I feel and Michelle- like- yeah. Isn't that a smaller pitching staff, right? The roster is not as big as it used to be. Absolutely Bimo. It is 15 athletes that make it to the Olympics and wear that country's jersey. And so then brings up the question, how many pitchers can you carry that only throw that aren't just pitchers? I excuse me, hitters. Rachel Garcia, I think is at a distinct advantage because she is a dual yeah. threat.
3: Yeah, I, I think that, um, Beth or Michelle, you, you hit the, the nail on the head again with the fact that you said matured with Monica and Kat. They are in their third, their mid thirties now. They are, um, just passionate about being great teammates to each other. And I think that that's a way that they've really grown up is being able to work on the pitching staff together, support each other. And you even see them post on social media about each other and having each other's back. And I thought that it was really cool that Kat Osterman took us through her journey at the tryouts in January about um, she was blogging about what she was going through, how sore she was, what her days were like, and just how intense it was. She really took in the entire tryout process. Didn't take it for granted that she was going to make the team, went out there, gave it her all. And I think that she would have been not okay, but you know what I mean? Like kind of okay, knowing that she gave her all, had she not made the team, but she did make it. And I think she feels really good about where she's at right now. And especially again, the relationship she has with Monica now, I feel like is is fresh.
0: And America needs to know, have they inspired Scarborough to make a comeback? Oh, yeah. When I, we see Amanda
3: throwing for the red, white, and blue. Yeah, you know, Monica and Kat are both what, 6'2, six, 6'3, six, me being 5'6, I fit in just right with them. I, what I, about I, I'm Smitty? there. I'll I think, sm- think
1: Smitty should make a comeback. <laughs> yes, if Michelle does it, I'll Smitty. try it. <laughs> I'm coming back right handed, baby. There's too many lefties on that staff.
2: <laughs>
0: right? Oh. Good stuff, good stuff. It's, it's going to be fascinating with the smaller roster to see just who makes it. And obviously almost everybody going to the Olympics for all six teams will be inexperienced, so having some of that experience will be huge. The dog wants to go for sure. Ruff, Ruff wants to go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, let, let's, we're, we're moving on to number eight right now in the lineup card, which I think is the cue
4: for Holly Rowe. Uh, it's time to do some shagging, Horo. Time now for Shagging Stats. I'm rusty. Oh, my gosh, I'm rusty. Jeez, that was hold, a bad hold on, one. Ho- Do you want to redo? Ho- holly, I, I go- need to I- Okay. Holly, I got you. I got you. Time now for Shagging um, shaggin Stats. Oh, wait. Sorry, I screwed it up. Okay, sorry. I didn't know. Do it again. <laughs> You're going to need to stay after practice
3: or come before something. You need extra (laughs) time.
4: (laughs) This week on Shaggin' Stats. (laughs)
0: It's the canned canned version. Uh, I'll lead us off. How about this, uh, the carryover for the uh, defending national champion Florida State Seminoles. They became just the third team ever to lose their opening game at the World Series, and then come all the way back out of the loser's bracket to win the national championship. UCLA in 2003, that Natasha Watley bunch. And then 1983, uh, the Texas A&M Aggies. So there you go. That's my shagging stats. Who's next?
3: I'll go. Uh, three All-American pitchers that transfer or left out of the Pac-12 this fall, which is just a staggering number. Uh Really big arms that left, and that's what made the Pac-12 so strong last year was their big arms. And then also, I know we want to do a fearless prediction in this segment, too. My fearless prediction is that Texas makes the World Series this year. Whoa!
1: oh man that's a big one I love it I love it (laughs) (laughs) I said it blurted it all right I'm gonna jump out and uh, my shagging stat is five five the number of home runs that Megan King gave up last year in her junior season so pretty impressive keeps the ball in the park you do that you give your team a chance does she give up more this year Smitty I think she's more known I think people go down and try to to hit that 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 ball so I think she gives up more than five this year
2: Okay. All right. I'm going back to my alma mater. You know, how do you place mm-hmm. Alexis Osorio? You get three new pitchers, and Alabama now has five <laughs> pitchers on their staff. When in my memory and all I've known of Alabama softball, that is the most pitchers they have ever carried
4: on their team. Who roll, roll, Chad? All right. My shagging stat is the number of SEC teams that are in the preseason, the first poll of the season. I keep trying to count this over and over. I think there's 11 or 12 ranked SEC teams. Uh, The only teams not in the top 25 to start the season are Missouri and Ole Miss. So just another monster year in SEC softball. And, of course, we will have that SEC championship for you. It's at the brand-new Texas A&M Ballpark. I got a tour of that facility right when it was getting ready to open this fall. And it's gorgeous. So um, look out, SEC softball the championship at Texas A&M. I believe the
0: the official number is ten. By the way, ten SEC schools in the top twenty-five.
1: Wow, Jimmy, softball, Jimmy.
4: I got a number for you guys too. Uh, let's go five seventy-five. Now I made a. I may have counted wrong, but five hundred and seventy-five Division One softball games this wow. weekend. For weekend. Woo, 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 woo. Wow! And twelve hundred uh, over twelve hundred. Oh, awesome. Thursday, Friday, yeah, Saturday, Sunday.
0: Awesome. And it all starts at the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational presented by Wilson next Thursday, 10 a.m. Eastern. It starts a run of 25 games in four days on the ESPN networks, including 10 ranked teams and the last six national championships. We're on the road to the Women's College World Series. Some things to think about before we give me some Jimmy, okay? The last Pac-12 title was in 2011. The drought continues. We had a finals without an SEC team. The first time that's happened in eight years. Can they bounce back? How about the underdogs and the sneaky teams? We have not had an unseeded team at the World Series in seven years. The big dogs are dominating. But once we get to OKC, it's a free-for-all. We are getting ready for our 15th Women's College World Series with the Champ Series format. 15 years, the number one seed has only won five times. And last year, it was a sixth seed that won the Natty in Florida State. I think it's time, folks, to give me some Jimmy. What do you got for us, Jimmy Softball?
4: All right, guys, uh, since it's the first episode of the season, I want to kind of catch up on what you guys have all been doing. So first question is for Amanda. What's the coolest event now it doesn't have to be a sporting event it can be a charity event a social event and I'm going to ask you all the same question what's the coolest event you had in this offseason
3: my coolest event in the offseason was doing a package deal clinic at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington it was the first ever softball clinic at an NFL stadium so uh, that's how I spent my New Year's Eve 2018 and so the other big social event was what happened later that night but that's you know we'll just keep it
0: Hey now,
3: what it's there, it stays there. <laughs> wow. I'm just kidding. There's really actually nothing that happened. I just wanted to make it sound dramatic. <laughs> and that's it. That's <laughs> awesome.
1: Yeah, all right. Go ahead. Uh, all right. So I'm going to say two. So for 2018, I was had the opportunity to go back to Japan. I hadn't been back in 10 years since I retired and I filmed something for the national public television called the miracle lesson. So I worked with a high school team for eight days, uh, and helped them improve. And it was, it was pretty amazing. So that was 2018, 2019. I got the opportunity to film an orange County cycle segment, uh, that will help my charity softball for hearts, athletes for hearts here locally in the St. Petersburg area. So that was pretty exciting. Um, Doing being able to, to work for the charity and give back, and then of course the ESPN invitation. How many, invitational how many coming did she get? Week. Jimmy, softball yes. was like four things. <laughs> I, asked,
4: I asked for one. I asked for three one. strikes. I don't know. K- Kayla, how about you?
1: I've
2: been busy, baby. <laughs> Wait, this is non-softball because it's definitely the coolest thing I did was get to go to the World Series for the first time since I played. So that was the coolest thing I did in 2018. But if it's non softball, is it was that a rule? Can that be my yeah, thing? Yeah, non, non- softball is okay. People? Non-softball. I mean, it's always softball. I got to go do a camp in Hawaii, and I love that. I got to like do a camp like, right next to the beach. That's, it doesn't get better than that softball and vacation combined. That
4: was great. Holly, what do you got? <laughs> I don't know how to narrow mine down. I saw the Seattle Storm right. win the WNBA championship. <laughs> um, I cu- covered the College Football National Championship for Clemson. That was really fun. Um, I met Kobe, hung out with Kobe, Derek Jeter, um, Michael B. Jordan. I Name I Dropper. Name dropper. Name dropper. Name um, dropper. Name Monica dropper. Name dropper habit after like ten years. That was cool. But I think my biggest off season achievement is I finished chemo August sixth. I've had my first stable scan, so I'm gonna be camped with my full woman. Knock on wood. Nice, nice! Congratulations, Holly. I, I, I,
0: I, I'm Jimmy. I'm going to say that's the walk off right there. I, I would say that's probably the best moment for all of us. Uh, was uh, Holly coming through that and fighting like crazy and being the champ that we all know her to be. So, uh, n- nothing that uh, that I did really could could top that. That is awesome, awesome, <laughs> awesome.
4: How about you, Jimmy? Good. Oh, I got nothing. Get, getting this together, getting the Seven Names podcast on ESPN podcast yes. is a pretty big achievement for me. <laughs> that is big. Uh-huh. Good job, Jimmy. All right. I, I think that's <laughs> it.
0: Does anybody have any last thoughts? We, we have finally located, by the way, the dog uh, that's been barking. Apparently, it's Smitty's.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's Molly Brown and Emmy Lou.
4: <laughs> Beth, take us off just telling us where people can find softball starting next Thursday. Um, maybe just tell them a little bit about where they can see us coming up very soon.
0: It, it will be the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational presented by Wilson. It's down um, in the Bay Area. 39 games. So you can go to the website and, uh, and inquire about tickets and such. Uh, St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invite.com. That's a mouthful. Or you can watch at home. You can watch at home. 25 games on the ESPN networks. Um, our coverage will begin on Thursday. We've got a quadruple header for you that includes um, Oklahoma against Kentucky and Oklahoma, or excuse me, Texas and Cal and LSU, Oklahoma State, all those games on ESPN. ESPNU. The rest of the schedule includes some really... Good matchups for you. Oregon will be there on Friday night. Uh, Friday afternoon. How about Oklahoma against Florida State? That'll be fantastic. Friday afternoon, Texas against LSU. We'll see the debut of Mike White's Longhorns. Uh, Saturday, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games next Saturday, and and it all builds up. To uh, Sunday night prime time on ESPN Two, Florida State against Tennessee. A fabulous weekend at the St. Pete Clearwater Elite Invitational presented by Wilson, and that gets us off and running. On what did you say, Jimmy Softball? How many games on on our air this year? All building up to the Women's College World Series across linear
1: and digital networks over twelve hundred games. Wow! Yes, yes, beautiful. Woo!
3: Well, and I'm going to say, too, if you're just really anxious, you can watch 10 games on Longhorn Network with Texas and Boston College, Boise State, and Northwestern State. So there's 10
0: games already in the first weekend. Thanks for tuning in. You can find us on the ESPN app and follow us at 7 Innings Podcast on Twitter and the Gram. Thanks for joining us for the season preview. We are on the road to the Women's College World
4: Series.